I'm really excited about this. I get a chance to talk on the air with one of my best friends, Bob Usler, who did UConn basketball for three years with me, back from 88 to 92. That's three years, by the way. But Bob was there for some of the biggest moments in the development of UConn basketball history. He broadcast the first game at Gamble. He broadcast UConn's first Big East tournament championship. And, of course, he was the play-by-play voice of Tate George's shot. And he joins me this morning. Mr. Huesler, thank you for getting up. Uh, this is not usually your time of the morning. Uh, it's good. It'll eventually be my time again, Wayne, but uh, I have been uh, a night person, self-proclaimed for many, many, many years. Now explain why we decided to book you this week. You had a rather significant, life-changing moment a week ago. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to use the word, the R word, retirement, uh, because I certainly intend to stay active with uh, some jobs. But uh, I've had the, the same full-time job now for, well, for several um, decades uh, at WFAN down in New York City. And I uh, gave up the full-time job. So I am now semi-retired and on a uh, much different schedule than what I've been used to for uh, the better part of my life. So, yeah, it's, uh, and, and that was night work. And now I'm beginning to transition to, uh, to uh, well, I'm not going to call myself a morning person, but uh, I do have more time to do things like listening to you in the morning now when I, when I get up in the morning. And if I flip on the computer, I'll actually be awake in time to hear uh, Wayne on WILI. Well, the pandemic affected each of us in different ways. For me, physically, technically, I was not able to broadcast my show remotely as in from home. But what we did is we turned everybody into phone guests to keep people out of the studio on a daily basis, which we still do because I believe there's still some risk factors involved. So I continue to do my thing only without people in the studio. It's all done by phone. How did the pandemic affect your ability to do your job on WFAN? Well, I was fortunate, Wayne, in that I was able to uh, make the uh, transition to broadcast from home. We had to. Um, I was very lucky in that I have, uh, because of my experience as a play-by-play broadcaster doing remote broadcasts for years, A, I had a little bit of technical aptitude when it came to setting those things up, and B, I was fortunate enough to have radio equipment. So to answer your question, um, I was able to set up the equivalent of a radio studio in my home using the computer and the equipment I mentioned. So I was able to do every bit of work I had to do uh, from the comfort of my little home office here. I I called it WFAN Stanford. And uh, I did it that way for two years. And as somebody who commuted a lot of miles in my life, it was it was a uh, it was a welcome change. Certainly, the circumstances were terrible, and I would never want to. Have, none of us want to go through that again. But uh, it was certainly interesting to be able to actually get up, go into uh, take a few steps, and be where I needed to broadcast from. And then when I was done albeit at a very late hour. They changed our hours dramatically when the pandemic um, first hit us. Um, but I was able to literally just take steps into the, to, uh, to my bedroom and go to sleep. So it was, there were some pluses and minuses involved. 
Well, you used to live in Hampton, now you live in Stamford, but how tough was it to get from home into the radio station studio, which I believe is now in southern Manhattan? Yeah, well, I uh, I look back on those years, Wayne, and uh, I drove every day for the better part of my life from Hammond, Connecticut, to Astoria, Queens. And then when the fan moved from Astoria, Queens to uh, Manhattan, you're right, down... Uh, Hudson Square. Hudson Square, exactly. Uh, not too far from... Uh, not too far from the village, uh, very close to Houston Street, if you're familiar with Lower Manhattan. But uh, <laughs> it figured uh, I, I I ended up taking the train. But I, the, I used to joke, Wayne, that my drive from Hamden, Connecticut, to the train station, because I didn't go to New Haven. I used to try to at least stagger it a little bit. So my drive from Hamden to the Bridgeport uh, train station, which is where I would pick up the train to get into Manhattan, that was the equivalent of the normal commute, and I and I was just getting it underway by the time I got to the train station in Bridgeport. It's, it was crazy. It was crazy. And as somebody who's uh, one, you know, one of the now legendary radio uh, hosts and uh, personalities in the history of the medium, you you can relate to this. I could only endure that commute because I loved what I did. Otherwise, people would look at me justifiably and think you're completely nuts to have done that. But I did it, and I'm, I'm here talking to you, so I survived it. But those days are over, my friend. Three great years working with me. We became great friends. Tell the folks, by the way, what it was like driving to a road game, Bob. <laughs> with you, it was fun. <laughs> we, we, uh, we were... I wasn't going to... We weren't exactly uh, like uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, but uh, we had some good times, didn't we? Uh, and there were, were there were many uh, by uh, there were many trips by car, and there were many trips by air as well. And we had a few adventures doing those air trips, didn't we? Well, I was talking about the oldies game because you know that I know everything, and we you you could compete, but you couldn't compete with me. Yeah, I kind of thought you might have been going there, and I didn't want to go there because you buried me with the oldies game. <laughs> I, I, uh, I enjoyed it, and to this day, I think I drive people who are not as uh, into uh, playing that game. And you might have a listener to her who's saying oldies game. You know, when, you know, you are just tremendous when it comes to uh, naming artists of old songs, top, mainly you know, top forty radio. And I was a fan of top forty radio. And uh, I'm okay. I can come up with a few obscure uh, facts or, or artists. Well, it passed the miles on the road, that's for sure. But you worked almost 30 years at WFAN 66 in New York with Mike Francesa and Chris Russo, Mike and the Mad Dog, an iconic pair who really rewrote the book on sports talk radio. How did you get that job? And was there a learning curve for them to get to know you? Because... You're a Mets guy, Francesca's a Yankee guy, and Russo's a Giants guy. Yeah, well, to answer your first question, uh, it actually was the the UConn Joe. I was working full-time, and some of your listeners might remember the highlights in Connecticut. 
Uh, you know, of course, uh, in your market, you're closer to Hartford, but there was one in Bridgeport and there was one in Milford. I, I start, I actually got involved with it in Bridgeport, but um, ultimately ended up in Milford full time doing uh, public relations and did some announcing there. Uh, but I had a lot of side radio jobs all all those years I worked uh, in Milford, and um, one of them was for the Connecticut Radio Network. So when the Yukon job opened in 1989, which I ended up getting with you, um, they were familiar with me, and I ended up getting the Yukon job, and that's how our relationship began. The Connecticut Radio Network lost the rights, as you well know, uh, 1992, and then it moved to TIC, and you moved with it, but uh, then you partnered with Joe. So now I'm looking for that radio void to fill, Wayne, and I ended up making a cold call to WFAN. And uh, they, you know why they knew me, Wayne? The person who answered the phone, the cold call, who was an assistant program director by the name of Eric Spitz, he knew me because of the Tate George call. He, um, uh, remember, in those days, you, you, the play-by-play actualities weren't as easy to come by as they are now. But the Tate George call got some traction. And the fan actually, um, they turned it into a what we call a bit and uh, played it on some shows. So when I called them, they knew who I was from the Tate George call. And uh, they said, yeah, sure, come on, come on in and talk. And long story short there, we talked and <laughs> 30 Thirty years later, here I am, having fashioned a career at FAN. And Mike and the Mad Dog, I'll never forget the first time I met both of them. I, uh, uh, they were, they were, they were, they were on the air. I had already begun my shift. Um, there weren't any formal introductions. I introduced myself to both of them, and it was kind of like they, they, they were very cordial, but it was like, oh, here, you know, here we go, another new guy. Uh, but over the course of time, I think Wayne, what happened is that they, they appreciated my passion. You know me. I'm a passionate sports fan, especially with uh, the teams I follow, most notably you mentioned at the Mets. They picked up on that. And once they learned, A, that I was passionate, and B, they could press my buttons a little bit, then um, they took a liking to me. And uh, I, anything I achieved at FAN in terms of um, – you know, popularity, if you want to even use that word, is because of those two guys. Uh, they they wrote the book on how sports radio is done, and I'm very fortunate to have been a small part of it. Well, that call of Tate George's shot, traction, oh yeah, that call got played around the world the next morning. One second left. Burrell takes the ball, looking inbound, loops it far up court for George, who catches it, turns around, shoots, and he got it! He hit it! He hit the shot! And the Huskies have won it! The Huskies have won it! George hits the shot from the right side of the lane! And UConn wins it 71 to 70! What an iconic call by my guest this morning, Bob Huesler. And <laughs> we might as well tell this story that one thing that you appreciate is the fact that I shut my yap during that call. <laughs> well, that's why when I introduce you to friends or talk of you to friends, Wayne, I preface it by saying, my hero, <laughs> Wayne Norman, because you were the consummate professional. And how many times have you heard 
radio calls where the partner, either inadvertently, extemporaneously, or just out of sheer, just, you know, inconsideration, jumps a call uh, or steps on the call. You are the opposite of that. And so I, I'm, there's another thing I'm grateful for. I had a partner who, when that moment arrived, and I'm, you know, Joe would say the same thing. Joe D'Ambrosio would say the same thing because he had so many great calls and moments in UConn history. You never got in the way. And for that, I'm always appreciative. Well, it's my style, and I think it sounds better that way. I'm going to go away from sports as we wrap the segment up here this morning, Bob. Uh, about a year and a half ago, the Eagles to me meant Glenn Fry and Don Henley. But then, about 13 or 14 months ago, you got me into watching live Eagle cameras. The best one is the nest that's at Big Bear Lake in Southern California. And I am hooked. Could you just give a little story of how you got into watching these in the first place and how special these birds are? Yes. Uh, well, I first of all, the background to that is our first year together in 1989-90, and we made that trip to the Great Alaska Shootout. And I vividly recall you and I, uh, you know, traveling out to the Portage Glacier. And um, I was into that sort of thing, as you are, you know, always have been, uh, you, know, w- you know, wildlife, uh, nature, uh, you like to explore. And in Alaska, we didn't sit around the hotel. We were driving around and, you know, checking out, well, just what I said, glacier, and we found the glacier, and we saw eagles along the trip. And I remember you being as fascinated by that as I was. I had never seen a bald eagle until we were in Alaska. So anyway, I have that kindred (laughs) spirit with you in terms of love of nature. So fast forward 32 years or whatever, (laughs) 33, I lose track. Um, Susan, my partner here in Stanford, she is into it as well. And she sent me a link to Big Bear Valley and those two eagles you're talking about who are celebrities, (laughs) Shaggy and Shadow. And I was fascinated right away. And I thought, I know somebody who would really enjoy this. And I think I was right because... You do. You enjoy it as much as any of us, and uh, I enjoy it. But, yes, you've kind of taken off with it, with it, haven't you? Well, the, the one thing about it, too, is that Jackie and Shadow had a chick two and a half months ago named Spirit. I watched that chick being born, and I've watched that chick for hours every day since that time, and we're about, I don't know, a few weeks away from Spirit fledging, and when Spirit leaves that nest, Spirit, which we think is a female, is not coming back. So you got to do it now or you don't get it. If you're wondering what we're talking about, you can just Google Friends of Big Bear Valley Live Eagle Cam. I think you'll get hooked like I was. And for that, I can thank Bob Euster, who got me into that. Bob, great to catch up with you and enjoy your <clears throat> semi-retirement. We'll be in touch. <laughs> Wayne, it's always great being with you or talking with you and being with you on ILI special. Thank you very much. Bob Euster called UConn Basketball with me from 88 to 92. 14 WILI Willimannic and 95.3 FM.